In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, hello, wherever you are. My name is Julian Gibb, and I'm from the Harvest Foundation. Today, we're here to talk about the kingdom and its stories. And today, I'm blessed to have with me Ron, Ron Friesen. And so, Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Julian, for inviting me to be here and sharing our wonderful stories. So, Ron, uh, who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm the uh, senior chaplain for the Ecumenical Chaplaincy for the Homeless for Phoenix, Arizona. And um, we've uh, been in business since 1988, um, but more recently restarted in 19, uh, 2017. And we provide spiritual ministry to the homeless, beginning at the Human Service Campus and then spreading out beyond that throughout Maricopa County and even into Pinal County. Well, wonderful. So, uh, so you're a chaplain, but w- what exactly is a chaplain? Well, uh, we're usually familiar with chaplains in the hospital setting or in a hospice setting or prison or in uh, mental health settings. Those are usually professional people who are ordained by their denomination, as well as uh, receive specific training to become chaplains. And so a chaplain is someone who goes out as a member of the body of Christ to touch the lives of those who maybe either are disconnected from their uh, worshiping community because of their living circumstances like hospital or prisons or um, being uh, experiencing homelessness. And so we come out there as an arm of the church, as it were, to bring uh, the good news and the hope of Christ. Well, well, wonderful. And so uh, tell me about the center, the the place that you work. What is it that uh, together you, you all do there? Well, the uh, chaplaincy's offices are at uh, 12th Avenue in Madison, which is on the campus of the Human Service Campus, which is a 13-acre property with 21 agencies serving the homeless. It's a one-stop shop center uh, for uh, those who are experiencing homelessness. About 1,000 people come there every day and and receive uh, um, medical care, dental care, uh, a bed to sleep, a meal to eat. psychological counseling, substance abuse counseling. Uh, If they're veterans, they get special attention through the Outreach Center for Veterans. Uh, They can also get DES uh, 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 food stamps as well as access cards. Uh, So there's a wide range of services on the campus. The campus was envisioned about year 2000 and open in 2005. It's unique. It's the only one of its kind in North America. And the reason we don't have 53 square blocks of homelessness like they do in Los Angeles is because city leaders and concerned citizens had a passion and a vision to say, how do we address homelessness in a positive, constructive manner? And so there is this one-stop place where you can come and get all these resources. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, so what, what is the need in the, you know, Phoenix metropolitan, what is it? Five and a half million people. I mean, what, what, what is the, the need? How, how big is the homeless issue? 
Well, uh, some people think there's 40,000 homeless people. That's wow. a lot of people, 40,000. That's bigger than a lot of small towns. Uh, yeah. So 40,000 people, about half the size of the uh, State Farm uh, Coliseum where the Arizona Cardinals play. Uh, so uh, when you think about that, uh, that's a lot of people. Conservative estimates are around 12,000 uh, homeless persons um, in uh, Maricopa County. Uh, the discrepancy is because we can't really get an accurate count. It's really difficult. And it's a moving target. 60% of the people who come to the campus, human service campus, are not there after 45 days. They've found a job, they found a place to live, they've gotten the assistance they need and moved on. So um, as you say, there's a moving target there. But so, um, and homelessness, that's that's homelessness and it's caused by lots of different different reasons. And uh, I mean, how, you know, particularly at this point in time, how has COVID, how, how has that affected your mission? Well, um, we were blessed by being available to provide ministry in um, uh, three of the St. Vincent de Paul dining rooms. And by that, I mean, we were doing Bible studies and we were reaching out to people and inviting them to think about moving out of homelessness as well as thinking about uh, how they could find hope in their lives through Christ. And um, those were shut down on March 16th and closed <clears throat> until very recently. So just in the last three weeks, we've been able to go back into the Sunny Slope St. Vincent de Paul dining room and the Mesa St. Vincent de Paul dining room. We still are not back in the family center dining room on Watkins. And um, then we provide uh, worship services at the human service campus at the beautiful chapel that St. Vincent de Paul has on that campus. But those have now currently also been moved out, outside because we're not doing close distance, you know, close proximity. And uh, I, I mean, has have the homeless figures gone up, you know, with, with the COVID problem? I mean, uh, has the need grown greater? Y yes. Now, first of all, what's interesting is the COVID numbers, the actual positive num uh, cases in, in Maricopa County for the homeless have been actually very, very low lower than any other jurisdiction. Now, there might be several reasons for that, but uh, the main reason I think is because um, the wonderful Maricopa County Public Health Department, as well as Circle the City, a nonprofit agency that provides services, uh, health services for the homeless have been very aggressive in terms of making sure that we keep practicing CDC guidelines, masking up and um, uh, wearing gloves and um, uh, social distancing. So. But meanwhile, uh, the predictions are not good because um, one of the main reasons for homelessness in Maricopa County is evictions. Uh, Maricopa County is the third fastest, greatest number of evictions of any jurisdiction in the United States. Mm. And so we just have a lot of evictions. And unless there's resources for people to pay their rents, we expect the number of people to uh, be homeless because of evictions by January, February next year to be double that. Can you imagine 80,000 homeless people? That is kind of wow. scary. Wow. So uh, you have these, uh, this, this wonderful center, it's many acres, um, you know, and, and so you're providing uh, food and essentials and also helping people to get back on the ladder, as it were. You know, they've been pushed mm -hmm. off by, by life. Uh, so to get back on the ladder, get some form of, of, of employment. Um, but, you know, what, what 
you're providing all these material things, which is which is essential, which is wonderful. You know, praise God. But what about the uh, spiritual aspect? I mean, I mean, you're a chaplain. Why why involve Jesus in all of this? Well, um, Jesus' second commandment was love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so when we love ourselves, if we love ourselves properly and provide ourselves with proper self-compassion, we will also then want to share that compassion with others. I believe that that's transform transformative. We're, we're transformed to give and to share with the good news. And so how we do that is by just encountering people every day and inviting them to, uh, to think about life. So one day I was walking through the day room. There's a large day room where people can come and sit and wait for services or wait for that phone call for that new job or the case manager to say, hey, I've got a voucher for a new bed for you, a new apartment. And so I'm walking through there and I see a young lady. She's probably in her about 45 years old and uh, she's quite well dressed, um, hair neatly combed and, and, and trimmed. And I take one look at her and my spirit says, you don't belong here. And so I walked up to her and I said, excuse me, um, now you never ask a homeless person what made you homeless. You just say, you know, hi, how you doing? Maybe what's the plan? What's your plan? And something like that. And so she said, she said, well, can I talk to you? So I invited her to come to my office, which is right off the day room. And uh, she followed me in and she sat down and she said, do you believe you can meet God in the middle of a mental health breakdown? Mm. And I said, certainly, certainly you can. And then she started to tell me her life, how she had uh, lived in one of the best neighborhoods in Phoenix, very wealthy. She had lost everything through a mental illness or mental health breakdown. Yeah. And, um, then some family members stealing things from her as well. And so um, through all of this, then uh, I said to her, I said, well, I said, so God has met you already and God loves you and cherishes you. And yes. And I said, well, did you know that God gives back the years the locusts ate? It's reference in the prophet Joel in verse chapter two. And she said, no, I didn't know that. So I shared a few stories about how friends of mine had experienced that verse to come true in their life. And uh, I prayed with her and believed with her that God would give her back her life. And about two weeks later, she called and she said, I found an apartment. I found an apartment. And, oh, she, and then she said, well, God must have a sense of about day late, a day, two days later, she called back. She says, God must have a sense of humor because I didn't ask for a, a, um, a, a patio, but I got a patio. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to be able to get a dog eventually. Well, eventually God gave her a car and a good job. She's now going back to college. She's putting her life back together. Yeah. And so there, there was that inspiration. Many people come to the campus already with faith. They have a Bible. They were in a church someplace. And many of them are just discouraged. They want to know, does anybody here love Jesus? Does anybody here care? You know, I know yeah. those people over there, they like, you know, they do their case management job and they treat their, you know, they serve meals and whatever. But does someone nurture my spirit? Can I find someplace? And so we... Shortly after I began in January of 2018, uh, I, I was standing there looking at worshipers on Sunday morning, and I said, they need to be discipled. They need whatever we're teaching them on Monday needs to be on Sunday needs to be reinforced on Monday. And so uh, I invited them to come to Bible study. And before long, we were at four Bible studies a week. Up to 25 people showing up for Bible study. They want to grow in their faith. Some are searching and seeking and just hungry. You know, some of them are Nicodemus in the night, right? 
Yeah, and some yeah. of them are are, uh, are 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 people who are just hungry to follow Christ, you know, wanting to know more. Uh, kind of like the uh, centurion, right, who came and and to Jesus and said, "Heal my son." Right? He already had faith and believed. He he wanted an exercise, and so people come, and some people come very broken, mm. and sometimes they minister to me. Wow, that, that, me, it's just beautiful. That's uh, I want to hear more about that. Uh, just before we do, just in case you've tuned in, you're listening to the Kingdom and its stories. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and we're blessed to have Ron Friesen, who is uh, a chaplain to those who are uh, currently homeless. And we're hearing about how uh, he and his colleagues are reaching out to people in need, materially, but also spiritually. And on that point, Ron, um, would you say, you know, being a chaplain, um, that, that, that that's one aspect, the spiritual aspect is a, a part that needs to be fulfilled, i.e., I've heard, and I'm certainly not no expert in this area, that you know we we fall into uh, relying upon crutches, you know, alcohol, drugs, yeah. binge TV, whatever it is, you know, uh, pornography, in order to fill uh, a need to overcome a problem, to to deal with a gap in our lives. Is is this just something I read on, uh, you know, uh, on, online, or, or what experience? Uh, have you seen of this in your role? Well, one of, one of Ron's mantras is is that every human behavior is the best attempt at the moment to solve a problem. Mm. And I say that to my to to people I work with. I, I they're sitting in front of me, and maybe they tell me, "Yeah, I've been drinking uh, six packs of beer every night for the last six years." And I say, "Well, okay, so what problem?" Uh, every human behavior is the best attempt at the moment to solve a problem. What problem are you trying to solve? And of course, then they usually tell me a story, maybe of trauma or or abuse or, or something happened in their lives or just bad luck or something. And then and then I say to them, so that's your problem. But but then of course there's a spiritual need behind that, and um, we know what that is. That's the fall, and we know the grace of God through that. So so then you know. So you chose alcohol as your way to solve the problem. But what if I would offer you a better solution? What if I would offer you a way to understand and receive the gift of life uh, without having alcohol? Can you imagine being sober? Well, it's a long time since I've been sober, but I, I think I think I could imagine that. You know, and so I invite them to uh, explore with me how 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 the gospel then um, can, as it were, bring that forgiveness and that grace and that forgiveness. And of course, when I say to them, you know, every human problem, uh, every, every human behavior is the best attempt at the moment to solve a problem. What I'm saying to them is a really grace-filled gift. It's a not unconditional love. It's I'm not judging you for drinking six beers every night or 12 mm. beers or taking mm. a hit of cocaine every morning. You know, I, I'm not judging you for that at all. That was your best attempt to solve a problem. I don't, I'm curious what your problem is. And yeah. That and that usually opens them all up to a conversation because they understand I'm not being, I'm not judging your behavior. I'm looking at your, the deep deepest need of your soul. Yeah, you know, and and uh, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's a scary thing to do, you know, to let go of. Uh, I mean, we all have crutches, you know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and so to to let go of that crutch and to to let Christ be the healing. Let let someone outside 
be the person who heals us. But yeah. but um, what what has surprised you, Ron? You know, if we whenever we're driving down the road, you know, or uh, we're going around town and we see a homeless person, often there's this um, temptation to to view it as a one size fits all description for a homeless person. Uh, but what has surprised you since you've been serving the homeless within our city? Well, I guess what surprised me is indeed the variety of reasons and causes that a person becomes homeless. And I had no idea that this eviction issue was such a huge issue in our society. Um, I was aware that the lack of mental health services was an issue because that is part of my background as a professional uh, counselor before I became the chaplain for uh, last 22 years. So I was aware the mental health issues were an issue. Um, you know, I was aware that substance abuse issues were an issue for some people. But some people divorce. Um, domestic violence. My goodness, domestic violence. I met a woman one day. She was actually from England. And I said, how did you get here? She said, I could tell by her accent. And I said, so what, what brought you here? She said, I married an American, a man. I said, yeah, what happened? Well, he got me here and then he beat me up and then he kicked me out. Ouch. And so uh, so that was her, her cause for homelessness. Um, so there's just all these different stories. There's no size that fits all. And I think you're right by that saying there's nothing, no one reason. Uh, and so we need to look with deep, deep compassion on what is it? What is this person? Um, and then what happens is homelessness becomes a lifestyle. And so that's very, that's why it's very important. When I think of that story I told you earlier, could you imagine if she had stayed amongst the homeless population for six months, what would have might have happened to her? Her mental status would have deteriorated, her spiritual renewal would have probably slid away a little bit. Who knows, might have she gone back to some a lifestyle that not was not healthy, that she had adopted along the way. I mean, what would have happened to her if she hadn't moved quickly off of the site? Which is why, to me, that that is that we see somebody and we look at that person and we say, and this happens often to me on the campus, you don't belong here. And I walk right up to people and I say, uh, I'm getting a feeling that this isn't where you, you didn't wake up this morning and decide to come here. Well, actually, I did. I've been here two days. Oh, okay. Well, then how can I help you? then um, uh, let's, let's figure out a plan to get you out of here. Mm. That plan will include a, um, you know, a spiritual dimension too. Yes, you know, uh, from what you're saying, you know, it's a very scary thing, but, you know, just how easy it is to, form, to fall uh, through life, through actions from other people, through our own mistakes, to become homeless. You know, that, that lady you were speaking about, for instance, you know, uh, uh, praise God, she's uh, back on her feet and doing well. But at one point, she's this successful person, rich, working in, uh, living rather in one of the best parts of Phoenix. And then uh, next thing, she uh, she finds herself homeless. And so, you know, what 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 would someone like me, what would the average Joe, what can we do in order to to contribute to help uh, the homeless cause within Phoenix? What 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 can we do? Well, the practical thing we can do is when, is when we encounter a homeless person is we could um, ask them a very simple question. Do you have identification documents? Do you have a state ID? Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a birth certificate? 
Most homeless people have lost those documents. So the first thing we need to do is reconnect them with a wonderful program on the campus called Homeless ID Project. So they can get those documents replaced at no cost to them, and they can have those documents replaced. That agency replaces about 9,000 documents a year because the first step out of homelessness is a very practical thing about you need a state ID before you can rent an apartment, before you can get a job. You need that identification document. That's the first thing you need. The second thing I do when I meet a homeless person, I say, uh, you know, I'm, are you looking for a job? Would you like a job? And they say, yes. And I say, well, I want you to have a job too. Um, so um, have you signed up with St. Joseph the Worker, which is another agency on the campus? Wonderful agency. <clears throat> and they said, oh, no, I haven't. Uh, I'm going to find my own job. And I said, wonderful. I want you to find your own job. I have a simple question. Sir, do you have a black shirt, black pants, and non-skid black shoes? Uh, no. I said, well, you do something very simple for me. Will you contact St. Joseph the Worker, sign up, and humble yourself for one hour of orientation. And then when you get that job, then you can come back to St. Joseph the Worker and say, I need steel-toed shoes for my construction job. I need a black shirt, black pants, non-skid black shoes. They can provide that for you. No, I'm going to work in an office. I need a suit. And they have a wonderful, wonderful store where they have all those suits, provided, by the way, through Brooks Brothers, which you might be familiar with. They have an annual drive, bring your suit in, buy a new suit, give your suit to a homeless man. <clears throat> so those suits end up at St. Joseph the Workers uh, Boutique. So uh, these are all wonderful ways. So those are the practical things we can do to help a homeless person. And so what... Uh, can, can you give us a few examples of, uh, you know, how you have seen God work in the lives of homeless people? I remember the, chatting to you another time, there was that story of uh, a gentleman who, who came in and, uh, um, you know, he was in a, in a poor state and you, you sort of, you gave him a hug. T tell us a little bit more about that. Well, so one Sunday morning I was having worship service and I had decided that I was going to provide the gift of, in, of anointing or healing. I wanted to just anoint every person who came if they desired to receive the the, 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 the oil. And so um, he came in, there was only about six or seven people that day. And he, he came in and right away I could smell him. He clearly had defecated on himself. He was a mess. And he came forward and he stood or sat right in the front row, probably four feet from me. And so then the ministry continued uh, the uh, whoever spoke that oh spoke that day give their message, and then um, uh, actually I guess I did, and then I invited anybody who wanted to come to receive anointing to come forward, and so they all came forward, and then he was the last one to come forward, and so he was there, and I anointed him, and I reached around and I prayed, hugged him, and I prayed over him, and I have to tell you, God closed my nose because I didn't smell a thing. I didn't smell a thing uh, as he was uh, in my in my embrace. He was about fifty five years old, and I just I just prayed over him and gave him the love of Christ. Then I actually walked with him back towards the campus, and as we're walking to the campus, he says to me, "This is the first day I've ever been loved." Wow. This is the first. I'm like, wow. This is the first day I've ever been loved. And I believe that, that, that was Jesus, you know. Um, 
because Christ yeah. in me, speaking to the Christ in him, if you have to believe that, but you know, there the spirit of Christ was there to bring this dynamic healing. I have to say, I never saw him again, Julian. I do not know what happened to him. But just like in the gospel stories, we read many one-time encounters, one-time encounters with Jesus, right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and many of our many of our contacts are one-time experiences like that. So in in a, we have about 20 seconds. So in, in the space of five seconds, how has this changed you? Well, it's made me a much more compassionate person. Much more compassionate. Compassionate, wow. yeah. 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 It's humbled me like it's humbled me beyond degree, Julian. Humble well, that's you know, uh, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. So um and he will raise you up. And it seems like he has raised you up, you know, in, in, in ways that you're able now equipped to help people within the in the valley, those who are dealing with homeless and you know, putting aside all the issues that are there. So if you're listening now, what is it that you can do to serve people? Come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.